This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So today, folks, again, we're, we're looking at identity theft. We're looking at is, what is it that takes our identity, and how do we find our true identity? Now, it's part of a broader series. Week one, we looked at deep magic. Could we all say deep magic with our deep voices? Ready? Deep magic. Deep magic is, is, is that, that true self, that, that inner self, that self that's connected with God. That self, from this particular theological perspective, is already in heaven, already there. And it's the place we come from, and in many ways, it's the place we return to. That's the deep magic. But this deep magic, what gets in the way, first off, is the big lie. And the big lie we looked at last week can take many forms. It's, it's, that, it's that language, it's paralysis by analysis, it's, a, it's the chirping little voices that gets you either on the way up or on the way down. As the 12-step tradition says, egomaniac with self-esteem issues. You know, that's what can happen with that voice. And it's a voice that all of us know. I, I, at least I'm assuming all of us know that voice. I certainly do. And I, I can trigger that voice. Just a small little thing can trigger that voice. Like getting that call from your tax accountant about what you're going to owe on April 15th. Just saying. Right? You just get that little piece and then all of a sudden all these little voices start going. Those, those folks are the big lies. It's important just to know that, that it's part of the journey. Part of the journey is looking at that stuff and then turning away from that stuff. And looking, we go back and forth. Nothing wrong with that journey. That's part of it. And today what we're going to look at is more than our roles. I'm going to have us say the big R word there really loud. We are more than our roles. We're more than our roles. We are more than our roles. And yet so much of the time, our roles can actually get in the way. That's really where this series started, believe it or not. The series started because I was noticing that, that, that people were coming, they wanted to talk about stuff, and, and a lot of them were, were, were parents, and they'd reached a certain point of parenting where they weren't sure how, whether they could do it. That's known as raising teenagers. Um, they, they, as well, parents who were looking at their kids moving out, as my wife and I are looking at our kids moving on to college, what does that look like? Like when my role as that kind of parent is done, what does that look like? As well as other people who are facing job losses. You know, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're my age and, and younger and older and, and all of a sudden the, the economy shifts. You know, what do they do there? You know, I grew up in western Pennsylvania. I walked through towns that I knew as thriving towns growing up, towns like Freeport, Saxonburg, Catani, these small little thriving towns that have shifted irrevocably. There's not a men's store anymore there. There's not a, you know, there's not a, a grocery store. There's not a pharmacy. All those things that made for small town rural life in Western Pennsylvania have shifted. And I think, what about all those people? What about their roles? And maybe it's really important for us to keep as churches coming back so that we're actually more than those roles. Because we can't solve all those problems, but we can find new, different, more powerful ways to work with it. So in terms of that, I would like to get started with this question here. 
what do you know about the challenge of roles? So you folks know a lot, right? What I'm going to ask, I'm going to come around with the microphone. For those of you who are first-time attendees, don't worry. I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. For those of you who are well-versed and are here often, I'm going to call on you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Feel free to raise your hand and say, hey, you know, I have an idea about this. What, what is it that you see? What do you know about the challenge of roles and role shifting? So please raise your hand. If you're interested in answering that, I'll be around with the microphone. It's that we actually start to believe that we are those roles. The danger is, again, thank you for saying it, the danger is we start to actually believe that, that we actually are that thing. They often conflict with the things that actually light us up in our lives. Yeah. Okay, how many of us can identify with that? That a lot of time our roles actually conflict with those things that we most love, we most care about in our life. What's another one, folks? There we go. One more. Uh, <clears throat> we modify who we uh, we modify who we are based on who, what people think we should be. That's right. We, we aren't our authentic selves. We aren't our authentic selves. So we miss out on our true identity. We we, we adapt our roles. I think about. Please give everyone a round of applause, there, folks. All those answers are deeply true, and it's, it gets to what the challenges are, again, as, as we work through roles. Like, I, I was very fortunate to go, as many of you know, to a, to a week-long retreat last year. And one of the real joys of it was you couldn't tell anyone what you did for the entire week. Try that at your next party. Try not telling someone what you do. Pretty hard. And yet there's, there's ways we can, if we try that, we can learn something much deeper, much more profound in our lives. So I want to talk to you about a story here, folks, a story that gives us an idea about roles and kind of how roles shift and, and maybe gives us a little bit of insight into it. It's a story of a famous warrior who was a complete weakling by the name of Gideon. Old Testament story written thousands of years ago. And the way to look at this is don't look at this story as literal history. Look at it as a poetic story that has much to offer us here today in terms of how we adjust to these role changes, how we adjust to a world that is changing so fast. How do we find an identity that is actually outside of our roles and can even include the roles that we do have? So this is the story of Gideon. So the background of the story, Gideon is this young man, he's living in this land, and the land is totally occupied, the modern land of Israel, totally occupied by the bad guys, who in this story are called the Midianites. And what has happened with, with Gideon, he's so afraid, he's so afraid of getting killed, what he's given the task of is to thresh wheat. Now, threshing wheat is where you take the wheat, you literally beat it with a stick, and it separates the wheat from the chaff. Separates those two. So you have something you can make bread with. But he's so afraid of being killed 
that he does it in a wine press, which I'll show you what that looks like in a minute. So that's kind of the context of the story. Imagine somebody all feared up, fearing for their life, trying to do this threshing of wheat, and all of a sudden, this happens. The angel, and the angel's going to be important. I'm going to come back to that word. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep from the Midianites. When the angel appeared to Gideon, he said, I'm going to have you say the two words there. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, even that, folks, I think we really do a disservice to the Bible when we aren't able to smile. Do you get the humor in this? This is a guy who's deeply, deeply, deeply afraid. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up, sits down by a tree. The tree's obviously right beside the wine press, looks down in there and goes, mighty warrior. Now, you have to understand historically, look at this next picture. This is what a wine press actually looked like. It looks an awful lot like what? Who can just shout it out? It looks an awful lot like a grave awful lot like a grave. Imagine him down in there, making sure no one's around, only able to see a little bit of sky. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Angel, in the Jewish tradition, is the same word for messenger. A messenger shows up and says, mighty warrior. And you can imagine in his head, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. So the story goes on, and we see the deep magic. Now, now, one of the fascinating parts is, notice, folks, originally it says the angel, now it says the, the Lord. Isn't that interesting, right? Very deliberate. Happens all the time in the Old Testament, which comes from a deeply rooted, beautiful Jewish tradition. That idea of these messengers all of a sudden turning into God. How many of us have had a messenger give us a God-given message over the last week? A lot of us, right? That's where we see this beautiful, beautiful shift. I think that's the connotation of it. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this strength that is yours and save Israel out of Midian's hands. That beauty of that line there, folks, go in this strength that is yours. Did he give him a plan for how to do it? Yes or no? No, no plan. All he says is, you have strength. Go in this strength that is yours. I am with you. Probably about half of you here today need to take that into your heart right now. Open your heart for a minute no matter how rough life is today, no matter how much suffering you've brought with you today, go in this strength that is yours. I'm with you. Is that beautiful scripture or what? That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Now, of course... For Gideon, the challenge with that 
it gets back to what Wendine offered, is the challenge with that is, is this idea of belief, and belief kind of cuts both ways. Do we have a hard time believing that we have strength in ourselves? Do we have a hard time believing that, yes or no? Yeah, really hard time believing it. So, of course, the story goes on, and this is why, again, like you have to love human nature. The story goes on in the next verse. And I love, folks, again, you got to love this line. You know, here's Gideon, he goes, pardon me, Lord. Pardon me. Time out. Let's, let's be real here. And yeah, you got to laugh at this. I mean, this is good stuff. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? So there's three layers he goes deep here. First off, and it's, it's sort of the connotation of this whole thing. First off, this is an occupied land. So I am a occupied, I am a member of an occupied people in an occupied land. Then he says, my clan is the, please say it really loud. My clan is the weakest. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least. So my family is way down the totem pole. And in my family, that's way down the totem pole, I'm actually at the bottom of that list. Do you see a little tension with the mighty warrior of God <laughs> going the strength that is yours, and this guy going like, I got nothing for you. I got nothing. Don't treat this person bad and wrong, though. They're working there. They're doing the best they can with the tools they have. But I can, th- I sure you can see how the story's going to open up through that simple reminder. Go in the strength that's yours, for I am with you. Now, as the band comes out for the middle song here, as the band comes out in the middle song, I wonder sometimes if maybe that's just part of the story, right? I think it is because I think that's how the word is written. And so many times when we lose roles, I know for me and I know working with a lot of you folks, like a a role changes and what I want to do is my my answer to the role changing is to find a new role. (laughs) In other words, my answer to no longer being busy is to make myself busy. You know, how do I shift from one role to the next role to the next role to the next role? And I think what this story is, it's a story about, yeah, and you need to sit for a while. You need to learn this. You need to get some learning at the bottom of the wine press. What can we learn there? Important stuff. And what can we learn there that will help us in the next phase? Amen. So part of this, this series has, has been this idea that we have the theory of what we want to think about. Like, and ideas are really important. It's really important as well to know that ideas need to be realized in a containment and base. In other words, we need to have the idea up here, and we constantly need to bring it down and ground it. There's the Word, and then there's the living Word. Which is our life experiences held, loved, directed by God. Over these past couple weeks, we've been doing that through me speaking and then having an opportunity to be joined by Ignition Academy founder, Martha Pitcairn, who's been offering us a chance to see how that can work in our lives. 
It's a very generous thing that people do when they offer their life story because I know this. I don't know much, <laughs> but I know this. Somehow, in a miraculous way, when we share our stories, healing somehow happens. So with that, I'd ask you to please warmly welcome them with a warm round of applause as we welcome our group of panelists here today. Yes, no, that is not mine. Thank you. We're good. Thank you. You're welcome. Good morning. So today I'm given the privilege one more Sunday morning to be with each and every one of you, to be with these three beautiful, courageous hearts, and to speak with you about what happens when our roles change, when we, when we don't know who we are because of a loss or a shift or a transition in our life and our true identity feels threatened. And sometimes, as Chuck mentioned, it is in the bottom of that threshing that we rediscover the magic that is our divine identity, that which we were given from birth, that nothing can threaten. But sometimes the fear in that pit is really something, isn't it? So today, I'm going to have you breathe again. Can you hear my beautiful voice just shaking like heck? Oh, my goodness. So I am a breathing coach mostly because I need to breathe. So would you give me, just close your eyes and give me a oh, number of breaths, soften. Sit back gently into the identity that is whole, complete, authentic, divine. Soften. And for the next few minutes, walk with me with some questions. If it's not your thing, just gently listen, relax, and join me to investigate and be curious about the roles that each of us play. So with your eyes still closed, think of the multiple roles that you may have played in the past or that you are playing now. Think of the paradox of many of them that they bring you 
glimpses, perhaps, to your true identity or the paradox that they take you away from your true identity. And both are true at different times. Notice one particular role that you may be in transition with. You may have lost. You may have chosen to leave. And notice what is true for you about that. Notice how your body feels. Take a nice breath right here with me. If it's a role that you delighted in, notice what you delighted in. Notice what made you come alive. If it's a role that you struggled in, notice where your fear or your not good enough was. Notice why you would get in a wine press and hide and breathe into that. Perhaps it's because the grief is too much. Perhaps it's because you touch part of yourself that is so authentic and so vulnerable. Perhaps the shame is excruciating. Perhaps the longing to have that role be available again to you is just numbing. Take a beautiful long breath right here. And notice the messenger, the angel, the Lord showing up. What would be said to you in this moment? What would the message of divine mercy and love be that you might access your true identity right here? in this moment. Take two nice breaths. And gently rejoin us here on stage. So these three beautiful people have offered up their vulnerability to be with each of you. And I was saying to them, 
from where I sit, that's a huge offering. And I imagine that most of you feel that way. So if you have any discomfort, they do too. (laughs) And would you send them your breath, your love, your admiration for their courage to even sit in this seat called their life and share it with us? I'm going to hand the microphone. Would you introduce yourself, and then we'll see where you went. So I'm Leanne Hill. Okay. Um, I have been a mom for 25 years, and I have loved that role. Um, I'm other things. I'm a realtor, a friend, a daughter, etc. But for the last quarter century, I have defined myself as a mom. (sighs) Yeah, because last August, all three of my kids had the audacity to leave home. (laughs) Um, My oldest moved to New York to begin his career. My middle son moved to uh, back to Rhode Island to um, complete his last year in college. And my youngest daughter moved to Westchester Um, to start her college career. And I felt sucker punched. I felt like the earth shifted and the ground beneath my feet was suddenly no longer stable. And I wandered around the house and looked into empty bedrooms and suddenly I didn't know who I was. Because if they no longer needed me, then what? And I, I know that it's perfect and it's as it should be. And we had given them roots and now they were spreading their wings. She's jumping ahead, isn't she? She's getting to the happy part. Do you believe her? Come on, come on, come on. Stick with yourself. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> I felt like I couldn't breathe, and I cried a lot for the last six months. And I was in the wine press, and I still am. Mm-hmm. I still am. I don't. If I'm not, if I'm not needed, then I don't know who I am. Beautiful. Does anyone in that audience know this place? of being lost without a particular role. Because here, in this case, something about Leanne's true identity, which is about love, is true. It's authentic, isn't it? It isn't that it wasn't authentic. It's just there's more. And that has yet to be revealed. And so we honor the bottom of the wine press. And did you hear a message from the messenger? Well, I just have noticed that in the last little bit, what I've got to see is the beauty in the fact that we're all on this little journey and we're all at the same place of 
beginning to redefine ourselves, our lives, see who we are, um, get to decide how we live our lives, and it's it's kind of precious and sweet. And actually, Sammy, my daughter, sent me a text yesterday with a quote that she likes, and um, it's where I am, so I just wanted to share it. She said, uh, here's the quote, don't dwell on the what-ifs because you'll miss out on the good parts, the what-is. Beautiful. Thank you, Leanne. So my name's Mark Swiskey, and I've, like Leanne, have had um, many roles. Um, husband uh, for 33, father for thir- 26, son, uncle, godfather to five, brother, um, mentor, employee, and uh, employee and provider for 33 years up until um, about eight months ago. And um, I've lost much more, I know, than this job in my life. People very close to me. So I get that. And, you know, in, I, I would say to my wife, I'm not 30, 32 anymore. I, I don't think they want me. And the challenge is fighting them. You know, when I was 32, I could fight. And, um... Do you hear the theme of, I'm the weakest? I'm the weakest tribe. I'm the weakest family. And how, when we lose roles, that is true for most of us. Right up there. And um, the mornings are the toughest in bed. Um, The anxiousness, you know, um, oh, my God, you know, what what am I going to do? What are we going to do? And so I have to jump out of bed, and it makes it a little better, and... Um, you know, I keep fighting and I'm in between this space of leaving that beyond and finding a new role. And that is the truth. And that's scary to think that in this new role, which an angel did whisper to me I should be doing, 
I have the courage to go out and do that. What was the whisper? The whisper was, Mark, you need to go help these kids who are, are lo lost their identity. They're great athletes. And now they're not, and they have to find a new place in the world, and they're struggling. Thank you, Mark. Let's give him a hand. Let's have a breath. You're so courageous to breathe with the places of the vulnerability and the beauty and the terror in the bottom of the wine press is that from here, we can't create a new identity, can we? Because we're terrified. That identity is coming from somewhere else. And that's what this guy's been talking about. We can't create a new identity in these moments. And that strikes complete terror in most of us. So without further ado, Allie. Good morning. I'm Allie. Um, as some of you can guess, my identity as a wife changed. And... Um, I'll breathe. <laughs> so a little joke beforehand, um, I kind of, my nerves, I instantly said to a group of people, oh, she's making me go up on stage. But the truth is, I feel really called to this work because when you go through a hard time, what's the point of going through it if you can't share it with someone else and help someone else? You know, what's the point of being here? And I think that's the biggest thing I learned in the bottom of the wine press is that I felt so terribly alone and I didn't want anyone to know that I was in the bottom of the wine press. So it was 2011, Christmas. When my mom woke me up at 3 a.m., I had a nine-month-old a five-year-old and a six-year-old. And my husband was struggling with drug addiction. And he was in a bad place. And over the next few weeks, it, over the next 24 hours, it was clear there's some separation needed. And over the next few weeks, it was clear that uh, separation was needed, even more so. And um, it's a decision that as a mom and a wife, I didn't plan on making. And I was pretty quiet about it. I, I reached out to some people, lined up seven women to come over, each one to come over one day a week. They graciously stepped up and they stuck with me and they held me through it. And um, I had to take one day at a time. I'm in the marriage today, I'm out of the marriage today. I'm in the marriage today, out of the marriage. It's the gentle guiding I got and a lot of prayer. And so what I learned is that 
my identity got stripped away. I was at the pool one day and several days, you know, and I'd hear moms like, oh, I'm, I'm making dinner tonight. This is what I'm making. My husband's coming home at five. And I'm <laughs> quietly sitting there. And um, at that point, my baby's like 15 months old, watching her in the baby pool. And I was like, and I'm going home with my three kids. And I feel like I can't make it to the end of the day. The whisper was that eventually came. Like, why do you get married? What's the point? You know, and the point is, is that you're supposed to love each other. And my husband was a drug addict, but that wasn't, that was a role he played. That wasn't who he was. I stayed with him for two reasons for a long time after that, like just helping, trying to figure this out. And one was good and one was ego. And the ego was like to look good, to make sure I had that family image for everybody else to feel good about and for me to feel good about. And the other thing is I could always see who he was under the disease. So... Thank you, Allie. Let's give her a round of applause. So thank you for your generosity, each of you, and all of you that have been with us here on stage and in your own heart. Please notice where your true identity has been shanghaied, by perhaps a role, by the big lie. And come back next week when Chuck's going to bring us home to true homecoming and join him and Allie for a completion of this series. So thank you. And just to complete, go in strength. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do a little improv here. All right? No, we'll be good. We'll be good right here. I want to do a little improv thing. Allie, thank you for going first. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's when we have these challenges, right? Like all of us probably saw ourselves in different places here. And, and I love the idea that d the word for breathing together, does anybody know what the word for breathing together in Latin is? If you do, I will take you to Bertucci's. <laughs> it's the word conspiracy. To breathe with. Martha is big into conspiracy. <laughs> that idea of a conspiracy where we learn to breathe together and it's a divine conspiracy. Where God is actually asking us to breathe spirit, spiritus, breath, wind, God, all the same word. And I want to show you how that can work. I can show you how quickly the gift can be present. So you want to give Allie the mic here, Mark? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just put my hands on their back. I'm going to say, go in this strength that is yours. You are. And I'm going to complete the statement. 
And then Allie, I want you to look at Mark, and I just want you to go, Mark, you are. And I'm going to go, go in the strength that's yours. I'm going to go right down the line that way. Martha, you're going to finish this up here. Go in this strength that is yours, Allie. A blessing to your children. A blessing to so many. That is what you are. You are. Go in this strength that is yours, Mark. You are. Tell him what he is. Um, Mark, you are a generous, strong man who quietly pays for the gas of another person (laughs) at the gas station, (laughs) leaves cards at Be Well for people who need it. You think of all the things quietly in your time, and you may not be your job, but you are an incredible man. We go in this strength that is yours. Leanne, you are so loved by your children and have done so much for them. They will never leave you. They will always be with you. You're so strong, and I can't wait to see you with them. (laughs) Martha, go in this strength that is yours. Martha, you are awesome at getting people to go into their heart, and that's a gift, and allowing us all and the people here and beyond to open up and reconnect with who we are. So thank you. Thank you. Folks, please give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. So with that, folks, with that idea of conspiracy, that idea of breathing wet, Martha walked us through that. What does that look like? What is it, what is it like to move through it? And the idea that, 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 that God gives us each this role of messenger, both to offer the message and to hear the message at the same time. So how does this story end, do I imagine? Well, Gideon does great stuff. And I picture Gideon finally getting it. I picture him finally raising up his hands as God gives him a hand up out of that pit. Mighty man of God. I think that's where this story moves. And of course, Gideon has his doubts. He has his worries. That's how the story goes on. And he says, the Lord offers something very beautiful yet again. The simple words. I, I am with you. My wish for all of you this week, as we struggle with our identities, we remember God is with us through it all, that we have identities, we have roles, and that we have an identity that is so precious and so deep. And let's spend a week celebrating that, noticing it in each other, raising up our hands when we're in need of that help. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 